Hello and welcome to WNHH Radio's Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. And boy, do Caroline Smith and Margaret Lee make New Haven tick. Under the radar, they keep bike lanes flowing, shut-ins, driveways shoveled, and neighbors and cops getting business done downtown in Worcester Square. And they're also in the early stages of a new venture to jumpstart our entrepreneurial economy as part of a statewide effort to build the jobs of the future. A lot to do, guys. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the studio, Carolina Margaret. A special thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. You're all pros here in WNHH. You're on last week with Mercy Quay. Or was that this week? Last week. Last week. And you used to be on all the time for C Click Fix Radio, but it's so nice to have you back for a year and look, which oh. is the point today. A look <laughs> at 2017 and with two of the most interesting millennials. Um, representatives of a group so they can be stereotyped and have... And, <laughs> how do you Sounds feel being good. called a millennial? Um, I don't feel any kind of way about it. I feel pretty neutral about it. Most people don't like being just like representatives of their generation. Mm, yeah, I don't I, know. I think millennials are pretty awesome right now. I mm-hmm. think millennials are um, doing a lot of uh, cross-generational work. Actually, that's how I feel too. I feel like this year... We saw people under 30 really step up and take leadership in New Haven, mm. which makes me feel good. We have so many reasons to feel a um, un- mm. little bit depressed, if not depressed, discouraged by what's happening in our city and our world. But so many good things are happening in New Haven. And I think the emergence of young leadership with you folks is great examples of it have made um, all farts like me feel really good. <laughs> and I mean, because well, I look at you, Caroline, you just became the chair of the downtown Worcester Square Community Management Team, mm-hmm. which is a great management team, which is sort of where democracy begins in New Haven. Mm. You wrote a great book this year about New Haven that helps us look anew at what we do. You've been for a couple of years um, doing like shoveling people out and doing mm. bike month for bicycle justice. And now you and Margaret have started a new company called Collaborative. Is that what it's called? Collab. Collab. It used to be collaboratory, but then everyone right. called it collab. So we just all right, little little get to fit into the headline easier. So what is collab? It's a not for profit, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it has a mission of bringing together the Yale and New Haven communities to grow small new enterprises. Is that true? Yeah. So where that where it started was um, a couple years ago. Margaret and I. So our backgrounds, as we said on the Mercy, on Mercy shows, are pretty similar. Uh, we both are originally from Kentucky. We both um, are Korean, full Korean, half Korean. And we both uh, graduated from Yale the same year. And we both fell in love with New Haven. And, and still had never met each other. Mm-hmm. Same class at yeah. Yale, same state, yeah. same mm-hmm. kind of background. Never yeah. met each other at mm-hmm. Yale, but you were hanging out in New Haven because you liked it, which I, I put myself <laughs> in that group when I graduated yes. Yale in the 80s. I stuck around because mm-hmm. I loved it. And you found each other, and now you found this new project together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we met over our our kind of shared interest of bringing the Yale New Haven communities together. Specifically, how can we build inclusive public spaces where Yale students and New Haven residents can meet each other on equal ground? Okay, so um, that's the thing. When we talk about inclusive public spaces, mm, that's the yes. kind of language that I think does have meaning, but is gobbledygook to people my mm. generation. And that is not mm. to insult it. I'm sorry, I used mm. the word gobbledygook. What does that mean? <laughs> I think it's places where people be- can become friends, fall in love, and build power okay, together. There you go. Fall in love. Yes, fall in love. Has well, anyone, you brought anyone together who's falling mm-hmm. in love? Oh, that's, I mean, that's how I fell in love with New Haven, is that I fell in love with someone who had grown up their entire lives here. Oh. And so, to me, actually, building spaces where people can connect in as intimate ways as, like, building 
a business together or actually fall in love are mm. is sort of what we should be striving for. Excellent. So Margaret, how did you got how did you two come across this idea? Like what what specifically mm-hmm. how did this take form? Yeah, so it started off so we we met at the entrepreneurship bazaar that I was putting on. So I used to work for the Yale Entrepreneurial Institute, that's which is the YEI. Mm-hmm. And that's something Yale's done is under Rick Levin when he's the president decided one way we're going to be part of more of New Haven is to help the students and the professors start companies and i guess that might be more with the students yeah uh, the research yeah. they do and hope that some stay in new haven totally so um student faculty ventures um you know just incubating them giving them mentorship whatever and that, that's what that's the work that i was doing and we put on um a fair and i was tabling behind one of the tables and and caroline walked in or walked up to me and was like hey i know you <laughs> um and we just started talking about but how did you know her I had seen. Well, I mean, it's it's not every 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 often not very often that you see another like Korean girl from Kentucky, and so we had known of each other from <laughs> from a distance. A while. Yeah. Did you know each other as under, of each other as undergraduates? I think we were sort of Facebook friend level. Oh, yeah, you we were, were Facebook friends. Were but, Facebook oh, yeah. friends. but we oh, yeah. didn't. We didn't. We had never really had a full conversation. Yeah, okay. I don't even think we ever said hi. No, ever. Said um, hi. But we knew of each other. Mm-hmm. Right. So when she walked up, it was like, oh yeah, I totally do know you. Um, and you know caroline's everywhere so you can't really miss her from you know so i i've already sort of like seen her around and stuff so um we started talking about how can we bring the new haven and yale communities together specifically at first around the um sort of arena of innovation and entrepreneurship because why did you want to do that um because so for me growing or going to yale um and then working at yale um there was definitely sort of an insular culture you know for me like i didn't have to leave two blocks of my dorm to do everything that i wanted to do for four years um and it was after graduating where i just started exploring the city and making new friends here that i realized that hold up like i could have had this for the last four years and i didn't i remember that feeling i mean for me it was yeah. I think after, in my sophomore year when you realize what a great place it is more than those two blocks it was always those two blocks it's just you're always those, those two blocks, two blocks me, it was yeah. like house street wow house street mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. East Rock and, mm. yeah yeah totally um so, you know, I had a personal desire to be like, hold, like, so I'm working for Yale students now, you know, advising them, mentoring them, whatever. So, like, how can we sort of burst this bubble a little bit? And, and Caroline had a similar sort of push, um, you know, being a Yale student who loves Yale, but also loves New Haven and is so committed to the city. How do we sort of, you know, bring about those connections? And we really connected on that desire, Um and, you know, we started an event series um, around community problem solving, got brought together a bunch of a really diverse r- group of people, everyone from Yale freshmen to lifelong New Haven residents in the same room, um, talking about um, community and organizational um, How'd you get them in the room? Problems. Yeah. And where was the mm-hmm, room? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how did we, so I'll answer how they, we got them in the room and Caroline can talk about the space. So um, how we got them in the room was we had an organization, one big way we did it was we had an organization that would present at each event and that organization would present their mis- mission and three challenges that were, they were running into in addressing that mission and um, small breakout groups would tackle those challenges together and we relied a lot on those organizations to do a lot of outreach and that outreach strategy has remained tried and true for us even as we've um, begun building something something bigger but um, yeah, so we relied on organizations who already had the relationships in their communities and neighborhoods, um, who had the networks that we didn't have access to. Uh, we gained their trust and they sort of spoke in on behalf of us saying, hey, we're doing this event, um, come so out. When, when was that, Margaret? 20, 
It started 2015, mm -hmm. 2015. Um, late 2015. And this wasn't your job. This is something you did on the side. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're working at YEI. Yes. Caroline was yep. working a C-Click Fix, mm -hmm. which is really sort of the amazing success story of the new generation mm -hmm. of tech companies in New Haven, local guy, Ben mm -hmm. Berkowitz. Now it's all over the world. It revolutionized the way the citizens act or mm -hmm. track each other and govern right. on the web. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the, the great story. Right. And you were mm -hmm. both on, on that. And so, Caroline, where was the space where you held this on the side? Yeah, so we, we did it in a bunch of different locations. Space was something we were pretty intentional about just because space is something that I think is really important. And people in New Haven think a lot about spaces where they feel safe in, spaces where they feel like they have power in. Um, and so basically what we did is we did some cross-pollination of space. So we oftentimes, um, these organizations would have their own sort of event and their own session, but they'd be kind of paired with another organization. So we'd have, for example, the Yale College Council um, doing their collab, um, and then the Whaley Edgewood Beaver Hills management team doing their collab, and they would exchange spaces. So the Yale College Councils would happen at the Whaley Edgewood Beaver Hills substation, and the and webs would happen in uh, Yale's uh, LC Hall. The idea being, can we... Um, can we bring people to spaces they've never been before? Um, and what changes there? And also we did the same thing with food. Can we bring food from web, from AAA pizza um, over to, to Yale campus and bring uh, some pizza over AAA, to web? Yeah, why AAA pizza? Uh, um, in part because Nadine Horton loves AAA pizza and she's the chair <laughs> of the Whaley Edgewood Beaver Hills management team. And, and also because AAA is such a, such a sort of cornerstone of that neighborhood. And so many people go there for brunch, for breakfast, um, mm. and for every meal in between. All right, so you're listening to Dateline New Haven on WNHH, your home for community radio at 103.5 FM, livestreamnewhavenpin.org. And today we're talking with two people who make us feel great to be in New Haven in 2017 and look into 2018. That's Caroline Smith and Margaret Lee who do so much interesting stuff in town and they're 20-somethings and helping us see our city in a new way. They're also got a new venture called, called Lab, which is bringing people from New Haven and from Yale together on how to get more of an economy built from entrepreneurial mm. economy. So you had this thing on the side, but this is the year, correct, where you quit your jobs and you did this full time, <laughs> right? Yeah, just about two months ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and you got money from this from something called CT Next. Mm -hmm. Tell me about mm -hmm. that. Uh, yeah, so, and also just uh, to kind of show the bridge between the event series and collab, um, basically with those event series, we saw, wow, there are a lot of uh, kick butt ideas and there are a lot of amazing people. Um, and there's a hunger for more spaces like this. There's a hunger for more resources to turn those ideas into action. Mm -hmm. And so basically when we were looking at the incubation pipeline, we saw, wow, there's a lot of entrepreneurial resources in New Haven. There's a lot of great education and some later stage capital. But right at an early stage when someone has an idea and they want to take it to the next level, there wasn't much. And that's where Collab comes in. So the people, okay, so that's the gap you're trying mm -hmm. to fill. And I can imagine, so TT Next was this pot of money right, that mm -hmm. the state legislature approved, the governor came up with, right, mm -hmm. where we're going to try to put money into communities to try to get an infrastructure going, fancy word for mm. stuff to help make it happen. Mm. And in walk, you two have been doing it on your own. So mm. you're not just coming up with an idea and saying, look at our resume. You're saying, we've started doing it. We want to mm. do this full time. Mm. So New Haven won, what was it, $4 million? How much did New Haven win from the state on that? About $2 yeah. million the first year um, and $2 million for the next Two or three years. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so it's a nice. it's a big pot of money. Um, so then we have to find people to spend it on, which isn't always easy. I was talking to one person mm -hmm. yesterday who mm -hmm. really didn't know how to go after that money, or I don't even know if they thought mm -hmm. that was actually going to turn out. But you had actually a track record, even you're you said you're twenty five and twenty six, mm -hmm. and yet you had this track record of doing that mm -hmm. here, which is interesting. So you were able to quit your jobs. How did you feel? You quit? Were you you were already at C Click Fixed? Yes, too, right? mm -hmm. yes, I you joined marketing. Mm -hmm. So you hadn't been there that long. 
I had been there for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Caroline, how long were you there? Three years. As soon as I graduated, that was the first place I worked. Wow. So why did you want to leave that full-time job to do this? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, we wanted to do... We loved C-ClickFix, um, and we wanted to do a good job with Collab. And for us to do that, we really just needed to take the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we needed to take the time to really do it justice. We had this chance um, given to us by CT Next and, and through the grant, and we wanted to take it, and mm-hmm. we wanted to do a good job for the city. Um, and part of that meant um, really dedicating all of our attention to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, do one thing well rather than two things half well exactly so it's kind of interesting about your generation which is that you folks one and a half years and three years is a long time to be at a job mm. which is different from when old fogies and I were in the mm. world or even 10-15 years ago because there's such creative destruction in our economy that mm. enterprises don't you don't go work somewhere out of mm. college and then you're for life working mm. up because A that enterprise isn't going to be there mm. B if it is it's going to change so much it's not going to give you guarantees it's mm. going to be in a different GE is like a different enterprise every two years mm. in terms of what kind mm. of company it is mm. I'm just wondering if like among your peers were you considered long time at C-Click Fix or mm. was it seemed uh, how, how do you see it? Mm. Interesting um, I think you know I graduated um, 2014 worked at YAI for a year and a half to two years and then went to see click fix so I think that's pretty standard for millennials mm-hmm. um, but I think for Caroline coming out of college three straight years might be slightly different mm-hmm. I don't know if you have meaning audience. that's a long time right yeah I mean I think what was special about my experience with C-Click Fix is that I knew Ben since 2012 when I saw him featured in Daily Nutmeg and then when Ben visited, Berkowitz yeah, the ben founder Ber- exactly and he's been a mentor for me since you know, almost day one it feels like in New Haven um, and so and he continued to be that as my boss at C-Click Fix and I think I think in not all companies do you get that much accessibility to the person running and the person who's creating the vision for the company and who's excited to have you inform that vision with him. Um, and so I think that was one of the reasons why I stayed um, is because I wanted to work in New Haven for a company that was founded here. And I wanted to work for Ben um, because he believed in me and made me feel like he believed in me, which yeah. was amazing. Now, you know, one thing I think my daughters are uh, millennials and one thing I look at them, although one of them is actually a teacher, so you actually could, can work a long mm. time if she wants and have a contract and retire, mm. which is like, oh, it isn't even true mm. for my generation anymore. Mm. But, but the other one, I was thinking you, you develop skill sets and like the successful people of your generation mm. aren't exactly the same copies of people from earlier generations in that mm. I think it's mm. knowing how to get things started and be entrepreneurial mm. and adapt your skills to how industries change. Mm then that that seems to be rewarded more. And instead of going to work for one company your whole life, be trained mm-hmm. by that company to rise the ladder, mm-hmm. rise up the ladder. It's sort of like you have to create your own ladder. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like uh, the way I would respond to that is going back slightly to Seeklick Fix in that um, I think Seeklick Fix is a, a company that allows you to work in multiple domains. It felt almost like over the course of three years, I worked in three different companies to a degree. I started out. Um, so a, you so you did in three years what used to be done in 30 years mm, go through the different departments yeah, to get those skills. yeah mm. i mean we went from you know working in uh sort of entry-level sales to co-directors of marketing um within for me for within three years and um i mean that's exciting to be able to do and then i think in, in terms of expansive skill sets i think that's one huge reason why we started doing collab is because and i remember slate ballard um was someone who who talked to us about this our skill set has exponentially expanded by starting our own thing. Most of the time is we're doing so many things that we've never done before. Um, and that's so exciting. And I know that if there's anything beyond collab for me, I would want something that has that exponential 
skill set margin. So beyond collabs, so Margaret and, and Caroline, what happens to collab now? People come to you and say, I want to start a company or I want, do you say come to our events? Do you hire us as a consultant? What specifically do you do mm-hmm. for someone right now if they're yeah, starting a company? Totally. Um, we do two main things. Uh, so first, yes, we still run a lot of events. We want to continue to run the kinds of events we did in the past. We run um, panel discussions, more inspirational around entrepreneurship so we do um we've done faith in entrepreneurship youth in entrepreneurship we did women and mothers in entrepreneurship a couple of weeks ago uh we want to do immigrants in entrepreneurship next year oh that's a good one um so just themes around entrepreneurship that highlight sort of what entrepreneurs in new haven care about um to serve as inspiration and role models for for burgeoning entrepreneurs and the second thing that we do is our incubator program um, uh, and that's a six-week program, um, six-week educational curriculum, um, one workshop per week. Ventures apply, they get in, they, um, they get 1000 to $2,000 of funding, they get connected to a mentor, um, they have coaching with us, uh, they have case-by-case access to pro bono services from our corporate partners in legal or accounting or whatever, um, with the goal that they go through this program, a little better position to get further funding, um, whatever their goals are after, just just to boost them to the next level. Again, early stage entrepreneurs, maybe they just have an idea, maybe they have a couple of customers, whatever, mm-hmm. um, they apply for this program. So that's mm-hmm. the applications are live right now um, and they're due January 12th. And the only right. thing I would add is that, you know, throughout the course of building Collab the Incubator, um, we talked to dozens and dozens of entrepreneurs about why they hadn't been a part of these programs before. Um, and so, as a part of this program, we're providing wraparound services, so things like childcare and transportation and interpretation services to make sure a single mother can go through the program and be successful, a recent immigrant go through the program and be successful, someone who doesn't have a car um, can get there in a safe and efficient way. Please give me an example of an idea you've heard that you love. Someone has come through your door hmm. or a business. Yeah. In other words, your job really is to get us a lot hmm. more C-click fixes. What, can you tell me one that came through your door. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there, we we are open to for profits or nonprofits. Um, one that comes to mind for me is my good friend uh, Elizabeth Nearing. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys might know she another um, great millennial. If she's a millennial, she's one of the um, great ones. She actually, I want to talk about actually. Uh, I want to talk about um, uh, Steve Cotton. Mm. Actually, there's so many. There's Tell so, me about there's both so many. Them. Steve Cotton is amazing. Um, so Steve Cotton uh, has been doing pancake breakfasts in New Hallville in the Hill for a while. And basically, he surveyed um, a lot of folks in his neighborhood to get a sense of what the need was. And what he what he found was that people really needed financial literacy education. And so he's been doing since then, on top of the breakfast, also financial literacy forums and classes. Um, and he wants to expand that. So how does that fit in with the pancakes? I think it's I think they're sort of coming in tandem. It's all about community building. I think that he saw a need for breakfast. Um, he's essentially what's cool about him is sometimes we get entrepreneurs who come to us and they um, have an idea for a product, but they haven't talked to the customers. But is yet. this one enterprise? Is he from an organization that does like community pancake breakfast and financial? I think literacy? he's. I think he's, he's excited to form something cohesive. So your job around, is to help him not only to get help mm-hmm. to do it, but help, help get him someone to help to hone the idea for some viable. Exactly. It's a nonprofit. Right. Um, he's not sure yet. So we have a lot of folks who come to us and they feel like maybe they have an idea or they don't an idea of what they want to eventually incorporate or not um we're excited in some ways when they haven't incorporated yet 
um, mm-hmm. because it means that they'll be able to be flexible to find a sustainable yeah. model that works. Yeah, and that's them. a great question about not-for-profit. Mm-hmm. If you don't realize that it doesn't mean one is good and one's mm-hmm. not, it means how you're going to structure it for mm-hmm. what, what mm-hmm. benefits. So about you, Margaret, tell them about another one. There are tons. I mean, we've gotten everything from um, all-inclusive party toys for three to six-year-olds, um, all designed with like progressive characters that kids can relate to that include everything that a parent needs to just like dump on a table and like have it be taken care of and have it be really fun and cool. Oh, that's um, fun. That's so a new she's, business by someone? Yes. Is that um, person a fellow millennial? No, actually. Mm-hmm. Susan is is not a millennial, mm-hmm. um, but she has there a grandson. I thought all our solutions are going to be thanks to the millennials. <laughs> that is probably not true, yeah. Paul. Um, <laughs> You're really raining on my parade. Because yeah. <laughs> I've given up on my generation. I think no, what, no. To that point, I think what we believe Just in, what me. we saw from the event series is that innovation comes from intersections innovations comes from diverse spaces and so mm-hmm. have people, people from multiple races cross generations in a room together that's actually where genius is formed mm-hmm. not from silo and from isolation mm-hmm. and we're talking to those people caroline smith and margaret lee on dateline new haven at 103.5 fm live streamed at newhavenindependent.org so in addition to collab you guys have rich lives outside work right and um you don't just make your whole life your job and uh caroline this year you took over the downtown community Wester Square Community Management Team. It has so many, it's such a long acronym. They always get them in the right. wrong order. It's always like the Downtown Management Wooster Community Team Square or the Wooster Square Team Management Community. But it, it's right. something. Right. It means every month it has this great tradition. You took off from someone who's older named Peter Webster, did a great job. Mm-hmm. What I was most impressed about was that the meetings lasted an hour. Everyone got to talk. Mm. People who sometimes derail meetings did get to participate without derailing them. Mm. And so many people were involved from different mm. walks of life about what's happening downtown Worcester Square. Mm. Our management team started in the 90s as part of community policing as a place in 10 parts of the city where neighbors meet their cops. It quickly became step one for democracy in town. All mm. sorts of city officials come there. People want to build stuff, come there to find out what neighbors think. And while it's not perfect democracy because not everybody in the neighborhood who comes, it's a lot of people who care at a real grassroots level with an opportunity to all and uh, and I think you've had one of the better teams. So Peter mm-hmm. Webster left town, and 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 uh, you decided to take it over. Why did you decide to take it over, and what are you hoping to do with it? Yes. Um, so I decided to move into the role in part because there was a need, in part because um, you know Abby uh, Abby Roth, who was on the management team, uh, is now going to be Alder. She was she was running for Alder. Um, the rest of the management team, uh, the e board, for different reasons. I was on the e board before um, previously as treasurer. Um, uh, for various reasons, you know, had their own reasons for not wanting to be chair. For So for me, it was a, really just about filling the gap. Mm-hmm. They just needed someone to step up, and I was excited for the opportunity to do it. Um, and had a lot of folks encouraging me, which was, which I was, um, which made me feel really great. Um, my main goal is I think management teams are incredible, and I think management teams are only as incredible as they are representative of the neighborhoods mm. um, that they're serving. And so I think downtown Worcester Square, as you said, is amazing. I think that um, it does an incredible job of representing, especially I think Worcester Square. I think it struggles to represent it downtown. Is, it is weird that it's two such different mm-hmm. neighborhoods, yeah. but they're close mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. and we can't have twenty community neighborhood beats. Mm-hmm. Or we can't. We decided not to for I think fair reasons. Mm-hmm. Although we're going to have twelve because mm-hmm. they're two ridiculously huge <laughs> districts that are completely different from mm-hmm. each other on the east side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but. Y- but you have to kind of merge them. Mm-hmm. I actually, and I kind of think just almost going back to what we were just saying before about, you know, genius comes from diverse spaces. I think that's an exciting opportunity, um, especially downtown being just such an interesting 
place to be in general for anyone to live or yeah. to work or to and hang Worcester out Square. in. That's and Worcester Square. That's sort of the neighborhood now. Exactly. I mean, I notice millennials, like now when they come to work for me, they go to Worcester Square because it mm-hmm. doesn't cost a million dollars to live in a mm-hmm. closet. Mm-hmm. Still, you can afford it and you're right by downtown and mm-hmm. that's such a neighborhood feeling. Do you both mm-hmm. live there? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Where do we you live guys in live? East Rock. Yep. Oh, you live in mm-hmm. East Rock. Mm-hmm. But that's part of the management team? Mm-hmm. Well, I live, I live right in Ward 7 and because I work in downtown. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But um, but I, my main goal is to to help make the e-board and help make the management team as representative of downtown and Worcester Square as possible. So I think things that excite me right now is what it would mean. What would it mean for the e-board to have a permanent high school representative? Um, what would it mean for? That's been the best part of the board of ed changes. Yes, those, those right. Guys, kids mm, are yes, incredible. A hundred percent. What would it mean for us to have a permanent Yale student representative? What would it mean for us to have um, more business and more vocal businesses involved in, t- in the management team? Um, what would it mean to have folks who hang out on the green be a part of these homelessness conversations that we have mm-hmm. during the management teams? I think, I think there's a lot of room for further representation. And I think that's the number one thing before we, you know, before we can make incredible initiatives happen. I think we have to include, have all the voices at a, have a seat at the table. Okay, the risk of sounding like your old fogey grandpa. <laughs> that's one thing I love about when people look at our city on fresh eyes. The energy, you don't just bring energy. You also mm. bring a new perspective. Like, I don't think that ever occurred to anyone older that it was important to have a homeless person, a Yale student, and a business mm. owner, and a high school student in that room mm. to make that a better, mm. even though it seems kind of mm. obvious when you step back. Mm. Yeah. Well, I definitely feel like in all the work that we try to do, whether it's club or downtown Worcester Square management team, we believe that it's the, the, some of the best spaces are spaces where the best, the sort of most important commodity you bring in the room is your perspective. And that's all you have to bring. Like that is the most valuable. That's that is the value add. And if we can build spaces like that, I think those are that level. And then the you also field. got involved in bike activism, mm-hmm. right? So you do New Haven Bike Month, and what did you do with mm-hmm. that this year? Yeah, that's so, another example. You're trying to bridge those gaps because to have a meeting, it's kind of hard totally. to have people from poor neighborhoods there. But people in poor neighborhoods ride bikes as much as people in wealthier neighborhoods. Absolutely. So how do you get their voice in the pers- yes. in the discussion about policy without? lowering the other people's voices as i mean so i mean you're clearly on to me and everything every all the work that i do the main fundamental philosophy is those that are most affected by the decisions ought to be the decision makers that's always the foundational philosophy and that's holds true for Wait, can you say that again advocacy. i didn't quite get that who should be the decision makers the individuals who are most affected by the decisions ought to uh-huh. be the decision makers um so for example with biking advocacy those that are impacted by bike lanes or unsafe streets in their neighborhoods those neighborhood advocates ought to be the individuals making decisions around what their streets look like mm-hmm. and that's the, the central premise of bike month and this year what's really exciting is um we so our fundamental thing that we do is we run these open streets events which are neighborhood festivals we work with organizations and advocates in that neighborhood to run a festival or an event that looks like their neighborhood and so we've been doing that for the past three years and so now we have this group of organizers from all different neighborhoods, Fairhaven, New Hallville, Webb, um, potentially West River. I talked with Anne this morning from West River um, and a couple other uh, neighborhoods. And we have this room that is representative of so many neighborhoods. What can we do together? Um, we've done great work around uh, doing events in a neighborhood. What is cross-neighborhood work look like what does asking for something look like that's something that's really exciting me this year and a lot of the other organizers is for the past three years we haven't exactly asked for something we've been doing this work but we haven't said hey we want a bike lane on x or hey we Mm. want this position to be um, created in city of new haven whatever and i think that's something that we're all really excited to to come together and decide what to ask for caroline smith and margaret lee founders of collab a state-funded 
next generation engine of growth <laughs> for our entrepreneurial community and just making New Haven a great place. Um, Caroline, so and, and, and Margaret, so you, you see our city through fresh eyes. You've mm-hmm. fallen in love with the city. You decide to stay here. Caroline, one thing you did this week, this year, when you weren't organizing Bike Month events and doing the downtown management team and starting a new business with Caroline, is that you read a book that has had an impact on a lot of us, a guy mm-hmm. named Doug Ray, a Yale professor, wrote a book called City, which mm-hmm. I believe is a, a, has already become, in its 20 years or whatever, a classic urban studies mm-hmm. text about how cities work and history. It gives you a great history mm-hmm. how New, Del- New Haven developed and our issues. Now, you read it. And then wrote an essay based on each chapter, mm-hmm. which you put into a book. Mm-hmm. What led you to do that? And what did you come away thinking about New Haven? Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so I didn't mean to write a book, for sure. Um, basically, what happened was uh, there's this uh, local government um, uh, journalist platform called GovLoop. And um, uh, they I just applied for this program where they allow individuals from all across the country to contribute weekly blogs. And so basically... Um, they asked me to do one blog per week for 12 weeks. Mm. And I just happened to want, always been wanting to read City and noticed that it had 12 chapters. I mean, it's not a page turner the way, you know, an Octavia Butler science fiction mm. book is a page turner. <laughs> Ooh. But I it's d- yeah. rich if you live here it's and you've been thinking yes. about those issues. If you're, if you're sitting Every page on we the say, street, well, I think yes. about the electric grid and why that means yes, that like, yes. everyone's mm. going to Home Depot mm-hmm. in the suburbs. Yes. And, like, <laughs> when you're here, it is a page turner. When you're on Crown Street and he's talking about Crown Street, yeah. it, it well, really is a page turner. Well, that's the best part when he describes what was on Crown Street and what happened Crown Street. It really does. He's It's one of the best books I've ever read. So, um, so that's that's how I started writing, um, and it was such an enriching process because it allowed me to talk to so many different people. It allowed me to incorporate so many of my friends or organizers or advocates I had met across the. Uh, how did you do that by having them write in about what you wrote about New Haven? Just talking chapter? to them, or just or and just I noticed that you try to take each chapter and make mm-hmm. a statement about New Haven today. Yes. What can mm-hmm. you give me an example of something you came away with from reading that book that affected how you work in New Haven now in 2017? Mm, I think. One thing. So his chapter, his last chapter ended on talking about um, Yale being one of the drivers of our New Haven's current economy, um, which I think was inspiring and encouraging for me to realize that one of the most important things that we can do in this sort of bookends, I guess, this conversation we're having right now, one of the most important things we can do is be creating spaces where Yale individuals and New Haven residents um, can work together. Um, especially if his hypothesis holds true that Yale is one of the valuable assets that New Haven has. I mean, I, I think... It or, went from being a problem and an albatross right. to an opportunity. But yeah, I, I think there's an opportunity because I think that... Um, and part of that is recognizing all the assets that New Haven has um, and finding where those assets can intersect. Um, so I think that's something that has definitely inspired Collab. Um, Margaret Lee, have you read City? I have not. Yeah, what's, I, what's impacted the way you look at New Haven? Something this year, something you read, something you saw that kind of gave you a deeper understanding of the city and a fresh perspective. Hmm. A play you went to, something you saw happen at Collab on the street. Uh, yeah, I think um, one thing that comes to mind is actually our work with Collab. So the past two months, two and a half months or so, we've been meeting with tons and tons of people. Um, we've met with, you know, 80 entrepreneurs who want wow. to create something that impacts their neighborhood or their community. So they've taught me a lot about mm. what, you know, the need is in the city. Um, we get a lot of folks who want to create support groups for mothers and fathers. We have, we have like a 
five people who want to create better halfway houses mm. um just that's a lot a great of idea. that's a great idea mm. when you think i know people have been in those halfway houses mm. and they, they're not really doing what they're supposed mm. to do <laughs> mm. yeah so we get a lot of people who are interested in that level of direct service and you know that you know, i've i've made friends in new haven i've i've met different people in new haven before this but meeting all these people have just exponentially changed the way that I think about the different neighborhoods, what the needs are and how willing so many people in the city are mm. to, to get in there and, and do something about it. Um, so I would say that's been my biggest learning, mm -hmm. just the individual <laughs> meetings with people. Well, Margaret, you grew up in Kentucky. You studied in Korea. You went to Yale. You could, you got a world perspective, but you're here in new Haven. Did yeah. you imagine that would happen? Oh, uh, no, no. Uh, well, yeah, no, no, no. How long, how long do you see yourself being in New Haven? Uh, forever. I mean, I mean, we're doing this thing. We're building the thing. Um, as long as I can be here, I will be here. You know, it's funny. I never wanted to be anywhere else. Mm. I didn't grow up here. Mm. here Where'd you grow up? White Plains, New York. Mm. And it was mm. good. The, the reporting, I worked for paper there. The reporting there was nothing like reporting here. There's so much more mm. organistic city and just hanging out. I felt like there was mm. so much intellectually and culturally so much to excite me without being mm. overwhelmed by too big a city mm. but that there was this kind of great chemistry with mm. the kind of different walks of life mm. and the history informing mm. how we make our decisions mm. and how we want to live mm. and that uh just very rich and can i ask you one question yes um well since this is sort of a, a year interview or a year end i'd be curious to just flip the question on you and what's something in this past year um that you've learned about new haven and that excites you for the future or worries you I have honestly been excited about the emergence of people under 30 who have mm -hmm. taken leadership because I think we've had a lot of years of gaps. Not just New Haven, it's a national issue. Mm -hmm. The baby boomers, we just won't get out of the way. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's led to very stuck thinking. Mm -hmm. I look at the Board of Alders and I think that's stuck thinking and it's not transparent. I look at the way some of the businesses have run mm -hmm. and, and I'm excited about the new energy mm -hmm. here at The Independent. I'm excited about what Harry Jarrell's understanding manager did in 2018-17 with the station with Facebook Live, mm. and I feel like we've really grown both in how we reach people, how they get involved in the show, and how diverse it is, mm. and um, in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. and also how we um, incorporate into how we do news reporting. Mm. So I guess that's two ways on the micro and the macro that uh, cool. that 27, I think 27 was kind of a good year in Haven despite the Trump era. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've been disappointed what's happened with the police department. Kind of in the mm. school board ed, I think uh, mm. there's sort of a lack of political will and vision that I'm mm. hoping will change. Maybe people like you can dive into that. I find like a lot of the interesting millennials don't get involved as much in the traditional mm. government work that you kind of like the way that NGOs, mm. you have more freedom to be creative mm. and get things done on, mm -hmm. a, on a schedule. I don't know if that's true or not. I will say one exception to that. And I think there are multiple, but uh, Michael Harris um, who works right, with where he's doing a great Mayor job Harp at City is, Hall on um, policy. Yeah. One of the most like remarkable people that we know and has been such an advocate and is just so awake. He's just so awake all the time. <laughs> also, any thoughts on the um, whole Me Too that happened this year? Because like, mm. I've also been noticing the last few years the way certain issues come and make change happen so much faster than we could ever imagine and that mm. you guys can. So for instance, gay rights. I mean, it wasn't that many years ago that we would think it would take generations before you could even talk about gay marriage, let mm. alone getting rid of anti-gay discrimination. Like mm. people who were for gay rights passed the DOMA, mm. Defense Marriage Act, which is anti putting just the reason mm. they did it was to avoid having a constitutional amendment that mm. would enshrine mm. having 
marriage only defined as between members of opposite mm. sexes. That was believed in the 90s mm. to be the best you could do to advance the cause, mm. which quickly, uh, your, your generation sort of said, you gotta be kidding. We want a law that makes it harder for us to have our rights as a way to advance mm. it. And like overnight, there are some backlashes mm. for sure. And you know, the Trump administration has these rules about what you can and can't mm. say about transgender stuff. But, but the rapidity of that change, I mean, my daughter having a, you know, marrying her wife with two rabbis there and, and just you know, being mm. embraced and having all the legal rights and, and how quickly that happened. And I think what's, I've seen that happen against the way all that we have created mm. destruction in our economy changes so fast and models. Mm. And it's exciting and fun, mm. despite people worry about the dangers of change, but mm. it's also great. Mm. And, and what's happening with me too. People mm. months ago would never believe that all these prominent actors and movie producers and journalists and politicians mm. would have to quit immediately, mm. immediately because their behavior was so skanky and so widespread mm -hmm. and it all came out. And like, so I'm really looking forward. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to what your generation's gonna do with mm -hmm. that. I'm looking forward to who's gonna emerge as leaders in all our industries. Mm -hmm. We'll just, the way you can say the way things always operated, they don't have to operate that way. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping in 2018, the way we run our schools and our police department can mm -hmm. also embrace some of that. I'm looking at your generation, I'll make it happen. Any thoughts on me too? So many thoughts. <laughs> so many thoughts, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we have, time to delve into all of our thoughts on me too I, th I thought it was an amazing movement um i think you know i've been thinking a lot about social media actually and sort of the really amazing things that are coming out of it but it's also giving a platform to a lot of toxic things as well no question um mm -hmm. and, and and it's kind of a double-edged sword like in that gamer, way against the gamer women the video games yeah women. that i mean even the whole i mean I, not to get super political here, but like Trump getting elected like that, a lot of that was about it was born out of social media. And when you look at, you know, a Trump supporters newsfeed, it's a completely different world. And, you know, it's and I wonder that sort of siloing of information that we're receiving, what effect that has on how we engage with people in real life. So and people talk about that in fake news. But, you know, that was always true. It's just gotten more intense because of how quickly. Oh, it's information so much faster. Travels. But people always yeah. read the National Enquirer for mm -hmm. fake news more than they read the New York Times. I look at how many more people now, three million mm. or more, subscribe to the New York mm. Times in some form. That's three times many people's ever read that. So, yeah, mm. many, many more people read Facebook mm -hmm. nonsense, but most of them act on it. I don't know. I mean, I've been thinking sort of the weather. The weather's changed. We don't really have winter the way we used to have winter, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of sad. But there, it also has opportunities. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, we can go on social media and we can fight that toxicity. Mm -hmm. What we do every day at The Independent is we believe we're mm -hmm. fighting those silos. We mm -hmm. believe we're using tools that were not available 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Well, 10 years ago, we started 13. They weren't available mm -hmm. to bring different communities together and good information out if you're not a big corporation who's, who's uh, profit prerogatives prevent you from succeeding at that. Mm -hmm. So I guess I share your concern, but I think that it's up to your generation to mm. win that battle, including with Me Too, and including women running for office who mm. will, I don't know. Yeah. You're not as optimistic. Mm. No, I think, I think social That's media okay. is like right fire. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it it's is. fire. Mm. I think we can use mm -hmm. it really well, like you guys are, and, and a lot of people are, including the Me Too movement. I think it could really burn the barn down too. Yeah. Mm. And, and so I, I think you're right that it is kind of up to the generation that's really growing up with this has mm -hmm. grown up with this and will see it mature and and will see the results of this to really figure out the sort of what is the morals around this how do we how do we actually make this work for us well see we've been talking today to caroline smith and margaret lee proud members of the millennial generation they don't hide from it and margaret on that note i have no doubt after listening to you folks for 45 minutes that you will figure it out mm -hmm. <laughs> we can't figure it out but you will figure it out
We'll try. We'll figure it out together. Pressure's on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Paul. (laughs) That's sort of what I think our discussion's been about. You're doing a great job Mm. with Collab, Margaret, Leah, and uh, Caroline Smith. How do people get involved with Collab? Uh, They can go to our website at www.collabnewhaven.org. Spell out New Haven? Uh, Yeah, spell out New Haven. Or they Mm -hmm. could just, uh, could they... Google Collab mm-hmm. New Haven yeah. and they'll get it mm-hmm. alright mm-hmm. well, I really appreciate you joining us today you've, come in, you've done a lot of duty coming in at WNHH I appreciate it a lot <laughs> it's great. It you do really a great fun. job thanks for all you do in New Haven thanks for joining us today thanks to New Haven Hospital for providing financial support we're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD A Plea for Peace now freedom isn't going to come from the mall it's not going to come from your devices it's not going to come from Amazon.com We already know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. (laughs) 